Hey everybody, it's JP. A quick note, today's episode was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic started and social distancing was just something introverts did. Today's episode, we are reviewing UCC Hawaii Kona Blend Coffee with Milk, Kettle Brand Chips New York Cheddar Flavor, and the Idaho Spud Candy Bar. Let's eat. Hi, welcome to Junk Foodies, the podcast where we talk about, rate, and review the foods your parents said would spoil your appetite. Today, my guest is Julie Van Rosendahl, cookbook author, food writer, radio personality, and eater. How are you, Julie? I'm great. Thanks for being on the show. I'm really excited about having you. I'm super excited to be here. I love, <laughs> I love all the food that is in front of me on the table. Excellent. Well, Julie, just to give you a bit of a rundown, I know you haven't uh, heard the podcast before because you're wanting to come into this a little bit blind. Um, We're going to have some questions and eventually we'll get to the food review part. At the end of the show, we'll provide a star rating for each of the items that we're tasting today. So one star is wouldn't pick it up again. Two stars, I'd seek this out again. And then three stars is best of the best. Oh my God, this is amazing. Stop talking so I can eat more now. Okay. Sound good? Uh, That's an easy star rating. One, two, and three. Yeah. (laughs) I was kind of going on the Michelin star thing, so yeah, sticking to the foodie part of junk foodies. Okay, so since we're starting out with the beverage, let me start with a couple of questions. What would you say is your generally your drink of choice? I love coffee. I, I didn't start drinking it until my mid-30s, and now I'm a bit of a coffee snob. But fortunately, we live in Calgary where there's a lot of great roasteries. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I would say that is my drink of choice for the first half of the day. But then later on in the day, I, I love gin. I love red wine. And if I'm having pizza, I have to have a really cold Coke. Have to, have to. So it depends on the situation. Right. I, I'm totally with you on everything you basically just said, but... Yeah. Coke and pizza is like food of the gods, right? Well, if anything sort of salty and fatty, I feel like you need the bubbles to kind of cut through that. And, and, and the sweetness of Coke, I don't know, it's just Coke and pizza. It's classic. Now, because you brought up pizza, I'm going to open a bit of a Pandora's box here. But I was asked this by one of our listeners, and, and I've talked about it every time pizza comes up on the podcast. What are your thoughts on that controversial topic, pineapple on pizza? Oh, I'm not against it. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, I have a bigger issue with chicken on pizza. I think I, I just I don't think chicken has any business being on pizza. But if you like it, like that's fine. I, I it it drives me crazy when people people are really passionate about food and things that are not authentic or you're doing it wrong or and it's like you know if you like it that's cool, right? If you like barbecue sauce and chicken on pizza, great. I don't. But, uh, you know, traditionally kids like the Hawaiian pizzas, you know, the ham and pineapple. And so we always ordered it for, you know, my son and our nephews. And I always end up eating a few pieces. Like it's, (laughs) it's delicious. I'm with you. And and I've said this before, actually, that, you know, when it comes to food, it's just like you like what you like. It's like music. Um, So I'm not big into there's a right or wrong way to eat a hot dog or a hamburger or pizza. I personally am a fan of pineapple on pizza. And my listeners are going to get tired of hearing this because this is probably the third time I've mentioned this. But if you haven't tried it, um, one thing I like to do, I think I got this from Food and Wine or something like that, is to, before putting the pineapple on the pizza, just saute it in bacon fat with some red chili flakes. So you get kind of caramel 
caramelization and you get the spiciness. It just takes it to the next level. Totally. Well, in one time I did a roasted whole pineapple in the ash after our fire had died down. You just tuck the whole pineapple in and it gets sort of smoky and caramelized oh and gosh. juicy and tender. And putting that on pizza was amazing. That does sound amazing. So you're roasting it in the ash like with the yeah. skin still on. Yes, yes. And then you cut it away. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Now you're giving me ideas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, okay. Do you have any memory that sticks out from your childhood revolving around junk food specifically? Uh, I do. And you know, I... I, you probably haven't had, wouldn't expect an answer like this and, <laughs> and maybe sort of not what you traditionally have on your podcast. When, when I was a kid, I, um, I was a higher weight than is socially acceptable. I don't, right. I don't like saying overweight because that suggests that there's a right and wrong. Anyway, my family was very healthy. You know, my, no one in my family except for me had, had, uh, issues with my weight. So growing up, the, the memories that stick out are of me being shamed in public mm-hmm. for eating junk food, you know? So when I I, th- I saw your question, I thought about it, and I was like, th- th- that's what keeps popping up in my mind. So so getting past that, you know, feeling guilty about eating these foods that, that as a kid, you know, my parents wanted me to have a healthy relationship with food, so it wasn't that they were not letting me eat it, um, but I beat myself up for eating things like junk food, which every kid wants. Right. Right. right? Um, on a more positive note. Yes. I, I remember going to, there's a little grocery store uh, close to where I grew up. And when I went shopping with my mom, she would let me get a Cuban lunch. Do you remember Cuban lunches? They're a very Canadian thing. Okay. So I didn't grow up here, uh, but full disclosure, I did read an article because they relaunched the Cuban yes. lunch recently. But for those who are listening that don't know what that is, who are thinking like a Cubano sandwich or something with an espresso, why don't you tell them what the Cuban lunch is? So it's a little uh, chocolate bar that was originally made, oh my gosh, I want to say in Winnipeg, um, but I, I think it was originally made in Winnipeg. And, but they were little, almost square, a little bit rectangular, but almost square chocolate bars, just chocolate and peanuts. And it was in a little, like a red muffin paper. Mm. And, and it was smaller. It was probably, it was dense and like a solid chunk of chocolate, a little bit waxy, um, probably about 40 grams. And, uh, and yeah, they were just really plain and really delicious. And then they disappeared. And nobody knows why they were called Cuban lunches, I think, still. So the woman who just brought them back... Has to be the communists. Uh, yeah, <laughs> must be. Must be. The chocolate and peanut. Yeah. Um, she brought them back because her mother loved them so much. So she recently right. brought them back. And now you're starting to see them out in stores, which is great. And, and they're, pretty, they're pretty close to the original. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I um, had never tried them as a child, and so I, I did try them now. And they are, you know, in a world of, like, candy bars that have, like, five different things in them, yeah. they're pretty simplistic and just kind of like what you see is what you get. It's chocolate and peanuts. And um, really good, though. Oh, so so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that answer, both answers, actually, because, uh, you know, I think that I wanted to start a podcast that was about food because it's really a universal experience. We all have to eat. We all have things that we consider to be... Um, you know, special occasion type foods and that kind of thing. But I think a fair bit of people across all societies also struggle with, you know, what's the right food, what's the good food, the bad food and guilt and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I say throw that all out and, and, and just enjoy yourself. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, welcome. All right. So nowadays, what's your go-to snack between meals? Well, so I I write about food and I'm always cooking and testing 
recipes and trying new things. So I don't really have a go-to. I don't have a, uh, you know, a sort of food schedule like a lot of people who who sort of get in these habits of making the same things. I always have different f- food around. So it really whatever I'm working on that day is my go-to snack that I I nibble between meals. I love toasted bagels with peanut butter. So that's one thing that I often have um, if I don't have something just, you know, sitting out on the counter right now, I've got all this sourdough in the works. And so, you know, it, d- it just depends on what's around. Um, but I've always loved toasted sesame bagels with peanut butter. So that would be my snack of choice. So we just recorded a peanut butter episode last night. So this oh. is really appropriate. Um, is there any, like when you're at the grocery store, is there anything packaged wise that you buy, whether it's a chip or, some type of candy or that kind of thing that's just something that usually ends up in your cart more often than not? Or I know you're a cookbook author, you do a lot of your own cooking, so maybe you don't do a lot of packaged foods, but is there anything that is your indulgence that way? Oh, yeah. I, I am not against packaged foods. <laughs> uh, I love Hawkins cheesies. They, ah. And I love all cheesies. I, I will eat a Cheeto, all kinds of Cheetos, all, you know, I love I love cheese. Yes. Like all kinds of cheese. Yeah. Uh, but Hawkins cheesies are sort of my my go to. Um, yeah. Hawkins cheesies. Um, I I like uh, junky cereal sometimes. <laughs> I, th- I I think cereal is an evening snack more than a breakfast food. Interesting. That might be a controversial opinion, yeah. but I, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. So and I but I like the classics. Like I really I love. Rice Krispies with, or, or like cornflakes, like one of the old, old, you know, the, yeah. the ones that we had as kids that when we wanted the Fruit Loops and weren't allowed to have the Fruit Loops, um, or Harvest Crunch. My grandma <laughs> used to, my grandmother used to cut uh, a Special K and Harvest Crunch. So she used to cut Harvest Crunch with Special K because the Harvest Crunch was so rich. And so Special K, the, okay, this is my official answer. I was, I was thinking, <laughs> Special K and Harvest Crunch with 2% milk, because it should be a little bit higher fat than okay, the 1% milk. Right. And uh, yeah, that is like my comfort. And so I buy it at Christmas time. I buy it for over the Christmas holidays, because if I have it, I just will eat it. Also ice cream. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream is like, oh, that's my jam. I And I, it's the sort of thing I can't buy because I'll just eat it. Right. Yeah. So ice cream is something you get going out like in a cone? Uh, yes. We'll go out. Sometimes I make ice cream because uh, uh, that's kind of what I do uh, if I have extra cream or whatever and um, and seasonally so you know rhubarb ice cream or things that you wouldn't normally get if you go out roasted plum ice cream like oh so good and I'm a little bit of a an ice cream snob you know like I won't get anything that's labeled frozen dessert it has right to be, has to be a real thing um, but yeah ice cream the haagen ice cream bars my mom gets the mini ones Oh, they're so good. I can't bring myself to buy them because I'll eat the whole box. Oh, oh, oh. haagen I don't know if you've had it, but they have a flavor in their pints of ice cream that's chocolate peanut butter. Have you had that one? Okay, that is the third time someone has brought this up. That This week, someone ha- I'm going to go today and buy chocolate peanut butter because I haven't had it. You really need to. And I think if you're worried about eating the whole pint, I think they do sell them in the little mini cups as well. It's but small. it's <laughs> a girl after my own heart. It's, it's uh, amazing. You give it a little time to soften up because it's got yeah. ribbons of peanut butter through it that are kind of hard frozen. But, oh, my gosh, it's really good. The saltiness and, I mean, chocolate and peanut butter are just such a classic combination. Oh, that is one of my favorite favorite combinations oh okay so now that the juices are flowing and everything, speaking of a chocolate peanut butter 
There's a, a New Zealand chocolate bar called Whitaker's, and they're they're in gold. I just wrappers. saw that this week. The chocolate peanut butter is the best. So I mean, peanut butter cups I've always loved. We could have a, we could do a whole like Halloween candy episode. I have <laughs> plenty to say, but they're so sweet. The chocolate peanut butter cups, like the Reese's peanut butter. Yes, cups. but the Whitaker's is not sweet almost at all. Like it's really undersweet. But the the coconut block, the peanut block, if you can find it, is like a Cuban lunch. 10 times better <laughs> and but any of the Whitakers the big they, they come from New Zealand which makes me feel a little bit guilty but they're so good I, I just noticed them this week literally the other day so I'll have to give those a try um, now what is one item that you find inexplicably popular that you can't stand licorice like black licorice right I, you know red licorice which I know is not technically licorice is great black licorice is what evil tastes like <laughs> I don't even like it when other people eat it around me, like the smell of it. I just, but it's one of those interesting things. You know, some people love it, especially that salty black licorice. In fact, that, you know, I did a, I did a story for the Globe and Mail last year about how a third of the population can't detect a, a group of bitter compounds, which I know this is a total aside. I've got these little litmus papers. I should give one to you and see if you can taste it. And, and, so you, you put it on your tongue. Either it tastes really bitter or it doesn't taste like anything. It just tastes like paper. Hmm. So I always wonder if some of those compounds are in licorice and the people who like, especially that dark, that salty, intense licorice. Right. That's so big in Scandinavian countries. Um, if, they, if they genetically can't detect, you know, if there's some bitterness that they can't taste. That, that may be, yeah. Because like, how do they seem to enjoy it so much? And it tastes so awful to the rest of us. Right. It, it's kind of like when, you know, people say, and I don't know if you're a cilantro fan, but, you know, there's people that despise cilantro. Yeah. And I love it. Like yeah. cilantro in a fresh salsa or in tacos mm-hmm. or something like that. But some people just, you know, they look at you like, but you can't taste what that tastes like. And it's, you know, just something different. It'd be interesting. Totally. Yeah. We never know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that brings us to the beverage part of our review. Um, Before we get into that, some fun facts. Kona Coffee is the market name for coffee cultivated on the north and south Kona districts of the Big Island of Hawaii. It is one of the most expensive coffees in the world. Only coffee from the Kona districts can be described as Kona. The weather of sunny mornings, cloud or rain in the afternoon, little wind, and mild nights, combined with porous, mineral-rich volcanic soil, create favorable coffee-growing conditions. The coffee plant was brought to the Kona district in 1828 by Samuel Reverend Ruggles from Brazilian Cuttings. English merchant Henry Nicholas Greenwell moved to the area and established Kona coffee as a recognized brand later in the 19th century. The former Greenwell store and Kona Coffee Living History Farm have since become museums. In other parts of the Hawaiian Islands, it was grown on large plantations, but the 1899 World Coffee Market crash caused plantation owners to lease land to their workers. Most were from Japan, brought to work on sugarcane plantations. They worked their leased parcels of between 5 and 12 acres as family concerns, producing large quality crops. The tradition of family farms continued throughout Kona, The Japanese origin families have been joined by Filipinos, mainland Americans, and Europeans. There are approximately 800 Kona coffee farms, with an average size of less than 5 acres. In 1997, the total Kona coffee area was 2,290 acres, or 9 square kilometers, and green coffee production just over 2 million pounds. 
So as a reminder, today's beverage is UCC Hawaii Kona Blend Coffee with milk. Um, Julie's tasting it as we speak, and this is a product of Japan. Who knew Kona coffee was popular in Japan? I tend to think of them as more of a a tea drinking society, but whatever. Uh, What were your thoughts on this drink? I I don't like sugar in my coffee, so this was sweetened. Same. Which, so yeah, that kind of turned me off. And uh, it's not very, it's a little bit watery. It's not very creamy. I also like cream in my coffee. So the coffee itself was is good it's not it doesn't have that sourness or anything but it, it seemed a little bit watery to me yeah i have to agree with you on, on this one julie i um the first thing i noticed was the sweetness which is like whoa that's sweeter than i usually take my coffee um the quality of the coffee tasted good even though <laughs> we were laughing earlier the can says contains not less than 10 percent cone coffee no one knows what that means is that 10.5 is that yeah. 90 yeah. uh cone coffee is expensive so i'm guessing it's probably closer to the 10 mark but no no, no less not a bean less than 10 um but yeah, I did notice it tasted really watery. And then reviewing the uh, the label here, I see that they use skim milk powder. Uh, how much better would this have been with cream in it? Oh, like infinitely better. Skim- I do not understand skim milk. I don't understand why it's a thing. I know people love it. I was talking to my sister and my niece last night about how it, it, it reminds us of melted crayons <laughs> in hot water. <laughs> melted white crayons, one assumes. Yes, with a little bit of a blue crayon in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just a touch of blue. That's probably the best description of skim milk I've ever heard. I grew up on a dairy farm, and um, you know, skim milk is just like, why? What, what's the purpose of that? But I guess that was the the fat phobic eighties and, and early nineties. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're so afraid of fat. But yeah, I mean, in coffee, I just don't notice it do anything. Yeah, it's it really doesn't hold up, and yeah. so it, it just doesn't. If you're going to do that, just drink it black. Yeah. Now, speaking of low fat and that whole craze, um, I've heard that you, one of your early uh, jobs or businesses was that you ran a low fat cookie bakery. Tell me more about that. Jeez, oh, yes. In the 90s, that everyone was about low fat, right? That's what everyone wanted. And, uh, and especially in, in things like cookies and these desserts. My dad is a gastroenterologist and he has a history of heart disease in his family. So he he actually challenged my sisters and I when we were kids to come up with a low fat cookie because in the you know in the 80s when we were kids it was all applesauce and prune puree and like terrible <laughs> not good like they were all right. super grainy cookies they were not delicious cookies so he he ch- challenged us to come up with a cookie that he loved and he offered a, a $50 prize which was huge a huge back then so I won naturally of course. and uh so I came up with this, we called it a chocolate lava cookie. It was like a like a chocolate crinkle cookie, rolled in icing sugar, so it kind of cracked as it spread. And it was really chewy like a brownie, and people loved them so much that I opened a bakery uh, in 19, oh my gosh, 96? 1996, I think. Yeah, we had it for a few years. A year before I graduated high school, just a, <laughs> just a programming note there. Totally dating myself, <laughs> totally dating myself. I was... I was 25 in 1996, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, so for a few years, we supplied about 50 restaurants and coffee shops with these low-fat cookies, and um, yeah, it was just a thing. It was just a thing back then, but now, of course, we're realizing that fat's not the enemy, and it makes things taste good, and it makes you feel full, and right. so, yeah. Uh, that's great, and, and your first cookbook was all on cookies, too. Did the 
running the cookie bakery kind of lead into the writing that first cookbook? Is that what happened there, the evolution? Yes, yeah. So the bakery and the first cookbook were both called One Smart Cookie, right? Clever. <laughs> you, you should write some of the, uh, the titles of these episodes. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, the first book I self-published in 1999, and it, it was called One Smart Cookie. So it was all low-fat cookies. Now when I see it, it's, oh, it's so cringy. Like, it's so dated. We made it in my friend's basement in Saskatoon and you know took all the photos you know on film and scanned them with her dad's scanner like it's 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 amazing how things have evolved in the last 20 years yeah absolutely well moving on um would you consider yourself to be a sweet or a savory person I I don't feel like I should have to choose I like that answer (laughs) I like it and people ask that a lot you know are you sweet or savory like I'm I'm both in fact I think if I had to answer I would say briny I like I like pickly things. I like capers. I like um, eaten mess, you know, which is a sort of, it's like a trifle made with meringues and, and sour fruit, like yep. rhubarb. I love rhubarb and like tart fruit in mm. pies and with ice cream and and just that, that sort of acidic, sweet, sweet and sourness. Yep. Um, so I love, I love, I love both. I could not choose between sweet and savory. It depends on the day. It depends on the time. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I, I like both. There's so many good things in both categories and some that straddle both categories, which is like heaven for me when it's like in that sweet spot. Yeah. Although I will say if I think about over the totality of my life and what I when I'm craving something, what I tend to crave, I think the I, I edge slightly towards sweet, but I do love both things. I think the way to tell if someone was sweet or savory is to ask what they would order for breakfast or brunch at a restaurant. Like, would you go for the waffles or would you go for the hash? This is a very good question. If I'm with somebody, I ask, I make a deal with them. We order one of each and then we share. Yeah. Generally speaking, though, um, if I was by myself, I'm not going to order sweet because it's it's too much too early in the day. And after you get about halfway through it, it's just diminishing returns. The first few bites are heaven, mm-hmm. but, you know, the dulce de leche pancakes or whatever, there's only so much you can eat. Um, I need some eggs and some bacon in there or something like that. So... If it, by myself, I'd go with the savory choice. Yeah. But if I could get like a really small sample size of the sweet, I'm all over it. Well, and we always get if there's a few people, which there usually is at breakfast, you get the sweet for the table, right? Like like right. breakfast dessert. I love it because it goes better with coffee, right? Yeah. Like sausages and coffee, not good. Cinnamon bun and coffee, perfection. You're absolutely right, and there you're getting the bitter and the sweet because, yeah. as we said before, neither of us usually puts sugar in our coffee. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Um, This one will be an interesting answer. When I say comfort food, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, Melting cheese and bread. Uh, I I don't even know which is first, like warm bread and melty cheese. Carbs and cheese. Yes. And that, yeah, that combination in any, it could be pizza, it could be grilled cheese, it could be mac and cheese. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're not, you don't have a specific bread and a specific cheese in mind. It's just any combination, all of the above. Well, my mom used to make us uh, grilled cheese on raisin bread. Interesting. And so that is like even more comforting. But then there are some things, I think, you know, food and nostalgia are so closely tied. Mm. I, I, I've, for some reason last week, I was, you know, I was like sad. I was, all this stuff was happening in the world. I went out and bought a box of cream of wheat. Because that's what we had oh, when man, we were you're kids. Oh, taking me back. Right? I, I haven't had that since I was a kid. But it just reminds me of my mom, who's yeah. still around. Like, I see her all the time. It's, yeah. And, uh, and she used to put a few raisins in the bottom of the bowl and then put the cream of wheat on top. And so you'd sort of scoop down to... And it's like paste, right? Mm. 
And I, so I, I bought it just for the comfort nostalgia of it. And I ate it and it just reminded, like it was so comforting, but I don't, I don't think it was actually delicious, <laughs> but I can't tell because it just tasted like It was lighting childhood. up the right parts of your brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Um, and something, something you said earlier reminded me of my childhood as well. So we were definitely a cornflakes family. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't allowed to have any of that sugary stuff. Occasionally, maybe plain Rice Krispies or Cheerios mm-hmm. if they were on sale. Um, but cream of wheat is a very common theme throughout my childhood. And I probably haven't had it in 30 years. I probably should try it again just to, maybe I should do an episode on like nostalgic yeah. foods we had growing up or something. Because, yeah, geez, I haven't even heard of cream of wheat in years. You know, it's just something that doesn't, I guess, in maybe our carb folk society or our less processed food, you know, type of thing. People are looking for like steel cut oats and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. cream of wheat definitely would hit a different spot. Well, I could send you home with the rest of my box. <laughs> 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 that's funny see there are perks to this job i'll leave you some of the chips yeah okay um this one's gonna be hard for you to answer i already get the sense what's your favorite treat that's a really broad question but we've talked about ice cream we've yeah. talked about uh cheese and bread and that kind of thing so do you have a favorite you're going to indulge yourself on a friday night what's your favorite treat oh my gosh i Cannot choose just one. Of course, go ahead. But there are it, and it depends on it depends on my mood. It depends on so there's like different categories of treats. I love yeah. pizza, like as I said, I'm always um, I, I love pizza and good pizza. Um, I love there's a restaurant in Calgary called Ida's, and uh, mm. they make this spread called Mahamara, and it's roasted red pepper and walnut and garlic and olive oil i've tried to make it i can't recreate it they sell it at luke's drug mart and i go and buy the little container and it's one of my favorite things ever and it sounds so healthy right and it's like vegan and all this it is so good on and i make nan make my own uh, with some yogurt and eggs and just do it in a cast iron skillet and so so, the soft bread and that is one of my favorite things so if i if i think about like what i would have on my birthday you know mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. play the birthday card i get that um i like a really i like a really good cinnamon bun too yeah. but i'm also very particular about that ice cream um really good cheese i like going to the you know the market the the, the cheese vendor at the crossroads market is close to me and uh and they always have some interesting cheese that, you know, oh, you have to try this. And you get it. and uh, and I just love sitting in my chair with a chunk of cheese beside me. <laughs> some red wine, one assumes. Yeah, yeah, it's a good combination. Or cheesies and red wine, amazing combination. I have that. Um, or, or really good chocolate. My sister's a chocolatier, and she makes uh, ginger caramels that are amazing. And chocolate-covered sponge toffee, which is another thing I used to choose when I went shopping with my mom and we'd get to choose something. Cuban lunch or a chunk of sponge toffee, I love. Um, yeah. Great answer. Yeah. All right. Well, from that uh, discussion about toffee and things like that, we're going to go into our savory portion here. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, some fun facts. Kettle Foods, Inc. is an international manufacturer of potato chips, tortilla chips, popcorn, and nut butters based in Salem, Oregon, with a European and Middle East headquarters in Norwich, United Kingdom. As of 2006, they were the largest natural potato chip brand in the U.S. 
The company was founded in 1978 by Cameron Healy, who began by selling natural foods out of his van, which would become the very first Kettle Foods delivery truck. Kettle Foods products, marketed as all-natural, is best known for its potato chips. Their potato chips are fried using expeller-pressed high monounsaturated safflower, sunflower, and or canola oil. Okay, so that brings us to our savory snack today, which is Kettle Brand Potato Chips. They're New York cheddar flavor. Great taste naturally, they say. Um, you've had these before, is that right? That is correct, yep. And what did you think of them this time around? Uh, I thought they weren't as cheesy as I remembered, but mm. it could be just the batch. I, I like them. I like how many wish chips you get in kettle chips. You know, like the folded over one. Right. <laughs> Which, I've never heard of it referred to that. No. So when we were kids, if you got one that was folded in half, you got to make a wish. <laughs> so you got a lot of wishes in this bag of chips. But I also kind of like how they're doubled up on themselves and they're crunchier. So I always go for those ones first, you know, like besides the fact that you get a free wish. Yeah. Uh, I like them. I like how some chips are too flimsy, right? And these like have some substance to them. I like the the tang of the cheddar and the the sour cream, and uh, and they're not overly spicy. And yeah, I I like them. I I wish they were a little bit cheesier, but yeah, yeah I same. Um, really nice crunch on these, and I I liked the um, the cheddar was light. It was subtle, mm-hmm. but I got the tang. You know, I thought was that buttermilk maybe, but I'm looking at the ingredient list. I see you know sour cream, so that's pro- a little bit of lactic acid they add as well. So that's probably where I'm getting that the, the tangy part of my taste buds. Um, onion I picked up as well. Uh, just really good, re- really solid chip. I could see you know sitting in front of the TV and, and enjoying some of those uh, very easily. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Oh, and look, skim dry milk in there. Just like our coffee. I'm beginning to sense a theme here. So I could call this the skim milk powder uh, conversation or the states-based one, whichever you prefer. Maybe I'll call them both. (laughs) All right. Well, um, let's move along. What's a snack that you like at or during movies? So at the theater... So at the theater, mm-hmm. I you got to have popcorn. Like, you got to, right? Of course, classic. Layered butter with peanut M&Ms. Okay. And have you ever put the M&Ms in the popcorn? Do you know this trick? Yes. Yeah. So it kind of warms them up a little bit. They kind of fall through, though. So I do it, like, I just do it by the handful, like a bite of them so it's together. Right. You get the sweet and salty. Uh, at home, I kind of like to make the snack count as dinner as well you know (laughs) like you don't want to eat dinner and then sit and like plow through chip chips are i like chips but it's not like my thing right some people you know it's like they're they can't have them in the house because they'll eat all the chips i i if they're there i'll eat them but i'm not like you know i have to have bag chips um so nachos i like nachos would be good i like Mm -hmm. anything with cheese on it but uh there's one snack that i'm super into right now called papity chat do you know what what is? I think I've seen that. It's like a, an East Indian yeah, snack it's, mix. It's like yeah, it's almost like yeah, sort of Indian nachos. The papadi are little crispy wafers, and you layer them with potatoes and chickpeas and and tamarind chutney and cilantro mm. chutney, and it sort of and it hits all the right notes. It's like crispy and soft and chewy and tangy and sweet and sour, and then some spiced yogurt with a chat masala in it, and. Uh, and some cilantro and some purple onion. That sounds amazing. And it's just 
delicious, but you feel like you're eating sort of real food too. Like it's snacky and it's crunchy. Oh, and it's got the Bombay mix over top, which has got like puffed rice and sev, which is the little extruded chickpea um, kind of noodly bits and peanuts. So it's got like all this stuff going on and it's spicy, but also like not that heavy, you know, anyway, it's one of my favorite things right now. Now, that sounds delicious, but it also sounds like a bit of a mess. Do you eat that like with a fork or how, no. or you just dig right in? You dig right in. So you use the papri to, to sweep. Ah, yeah. brilliant. And I have made them because there's a potato component usually. And it's, it's usually like cubed sort of boiled potatoes tossed in a little bit of butter or ghee with chickpeas and some spices. But you can do it with tater tots. Huh? I love it. Huh? <laughs> and so the whole, and you do it like the sheet. I like a sheet pan you know, full of stuff that you can kind of scoop, like, like nachos, right? Like you can envision all the cheese, but if you have the tater tots and then all that stuff on top of it, it's so good. Amazing. Yeah. And do you have any favorite seasonal snacks? Those things that only come around once a year or so. Interesting. So I, I think the, I think during the holidays is the only time you see things that happen every year. I mean, in the summer, you know, we, we go out to Tofino on the West Coast and eat a lot of fish tacos. So I guess that's something seasonal. I wouldn't have a fish taco in the winter. And right. You have to be, you know, close to a beach to have a fish taco, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, um, and, and well, I want to say ice cream, but yeah, we have, I have ice cream all year round. During Canada Day, we always make butter tarts and Nanaimo bars. You know? Right. And those are two of my favorite things regardless, but I don't make them that often. Because, again, I will eat them all. Uh, during Thanksgiving, I'm not a pumpkin f- pie fan. Okay, I, what's your chosen dessert at Thanksgiving? I like, I make an upside-down pear gingerbread. That sounds amazing. That is just a vehicle for whipped cream, really. And I The food of the gods. I, totally, totally. And I, I love all other pies, so often I'll make, like, apple pie or whatever. Uh, and, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the, the stuffing. The stuffing is the best part of the, the turkey. Like, the, just the bits that are coming out, all the the crispy bits, uh, and, and the cranberries I love, um, during the, during Christmas, it's interesting how there are things at Christmas that you would never think to eat any other time of year, like mincemeat. I love mincemeat, like all fruit mincemeat. And, uh, and I eat it all through the holidays. It never occurred to me to eat it in March, right? Like that would be weird. (laughs) And then there are certain cookies that we, I only make at Christmas time. Um, you know, like my mom's nut shortbread balls. And they're chocolates, like turtles, right? Like right. I love turtles. And sometimes I take turtles. Uh, I have a friend in Toronto who who introduced me to the this brilliant idea of taking a turtle and wrapping it in a shortbread. Carl Loans, thank you. Thanks, Carl. And he, he wraps the turtle in shortbread and then bakes it so that, you know, it's golden on the outside and you bite into it. It looks like nothing. It looks like a plain cookie, right? Yeah. You bite into it and it's all, the turtle is inside. Oh, that sounds so good. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it, how, how I eat like snacky things in breakfast too, it differs with the seasons. Like in summer, I eat a lot of granola and yogurt and berries. And in winter, I eat a lot of, you know, toasted bagels with peanut butter or like oatmeal. Um, yeah. That's all amazing. Uh, a little side note, cause you mentioned turtles and these aren't a seasonal snack. You can get them all year round, but for some reason I tend to think of them around the holidays. Have you ever had a sweet Georgia Brown? From Purdy's? No, I've heard of them, but I have not had one. Oh, you have to. It's like a turtle, except a little saltier. 
which really? goes really well with the chocolate mm. and the caramel. And now I'm like thinking, if I got a mini sweet Georgia Brown and I surrounded it in shortbread, would I just die happy right at that moment? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I love from Purdy's at the mall? And I rarely get them, but the ice cream bar, they dip in the chocolate and they roll in the peanuts. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Giving each other all kinds of ideas here. Oh, or a stampede. Stampede has its whole world there you of go. food, yeah, right? That's seasonal. Yeah, that's totally seasonal. All the fried foods, but I'm a bit of a purist it reminded me of the fiddlesticks right like mm-hmm. you take the box of ice cream and i think they do it differently now but when i was a kid they would open up the box cut it into bars stick a wooden stick in and then dip it in the chocolate and roll it in the peanuts but the mini donuts you know corn dogs and mini donuts like all the old school right. stuff i'm not into the like scorpion pizza yeah all the new extreme. like extreme stuff no, yeah where it's no. like i'm eating to put it on instagram that i ate this totally yeah. totally yeah. but the mini donuts oh yeah <laughs> I haven't had one of those in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you have any odd combinations of snacks or treats that you like that maybe some would find unusual? When I was a kid, and so this probably stems from my mom making uh, grilled cheese sandwiches on raisin bread. Right. I would, <laughs> this sounds so weird, I would take cheddar cheese and either break it up or grate it into a mug with raisins and microwave it and so the cheese would melt and then i'd stir it up with a spoon and eat it and the raisins would get all plump it was delicious you should do a raisin podcast (laughs) i probably could oh because people feel so strongly about raisins they do and whether they belong in cookies or not totally i for the record love them (laughs) even in butter tarts which for the record should contain currants which are tiny raisins the original butter tart recipe called for currants. Mm. So so I'm pro-raisin, but I was talking to Anna Olson, who, the baker on... Sure, yeah. yeah. And we were talking about this, how, how passionately people felt about, usually against raisins. People don't feel super strongly about having them in, but people who hate raisins hate raisins. Mm-hmm. And she had just read somewhere that, and I've, I've tried to look it up, that it was like a genetic thing that some people it triggered their gag reflex the whole interesting and which makes sense so yeah i wonder if that's just a thing that some people experience well it's like we were talking earlier like black licorice and you yeah. know things like cilantro like there's people who are very set in their ways that there's no way you could convince them to to think differently yeah. i don't feel super strongly about raisins either way i certainly don't hate them um in trail mix they're great yeah. i'm okay with them in cookies although i've had cookies where they use craisins instead of raisins no, no. no? uh-oh yeah. uh-oh <laughs> stuffed on a landmine there okay moving along um if you were having a last meal what snacks would be there oh hawkins cheesies for sure ah, it comes back to that oh yeah hawkins cheesies um i do like uh an, an all-dressed chip Mm-hmm. Um, Stay tuned for more later. Even though chips aren't like first on my snack list, um, but yeah, Hawkins Hawkins cheesies. I'm just looking up at my shelf to see if there's something I'm not thinking of, but to see if it's there. It's not so you know. It's yeah. not something that I love because right. I just eat it all. Right. Um, yeah, I think Hawkins cheese. That's my that's my favorite. My sort of go to. Um, Though I do love, I, I love a Wonder Bar. Those are the, the, so the Halloween chocolate, when my son brings home his sack, he knows to pull out all the Wonder Bars and give them to me. Because it's a textural thing too, right? It's like that tube of peanut butter in the yeah. middle. Oh, and the Whitakers. Okay, yes. So this the would peanut be Peanut butter Whitakers, right? I'm imagining my junk food spread. Yes. 
And it would be, yeah, Hawkins Cheesies, the Whitakers, peanut butter. Oh, although, and I've heard the mint one is great. I haven't had the mint one. <laughs> the coconut block is amazing. The peanut block is amazing. Uh, I do love peanut M&M's. Mm. I love peanut M&M's. Um, yeah. That's a good answer. You've given this some yeah. thought. I yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we've uh, talked about the drink. We've talked about the um, savory. Let's talk about the sweet, but first, some fun facts. Idaho Candy Company began as a dream for T.O. Smith in his home in 1901. Mr. Smith had been a journeyman candy maker in Chicago and Salt Lake City before he moved to Boise, Idaho, to help build the Dewey Palace Hotel in Nampa. After finishing the hotel, he found himself out of work and started making candy and selling it door-to-door out of shoeboxes. Not long after starting, T.O. had 17 ladies making candy in a small-frame shop in the vicinity of 8th and 4th Street in Boise, supplying the sweet tooths in Idaho. In 1909, Mr. Smith teamed up with the Adams family to build a modern factory at 412 South 8th Street in Boise to meet the growing needs of his customers. The Adams were either part owners or owners of Idaho Candy Company until 1969, when it was purchased by Don Wakeman, the son of the former plant manager. The new 1909 factory was touted as the most modern building in Boise at the time. The factory included skylights and a welfare or break room for the employees. This is the same 23,000 square foot factory that they make their candies in today. Some of the equipment used in the early 1900s is still in use today. In this factory, Idaho Candy Company produced over 50 different candy bars over the years and many varieties of boxed chocolates. Some of the bar names included Chicken Dinner Bar, Brazil Creams, Mint Patty, Big Chief, Quarter Section, Foxtrot, and many others. Three of those candy bars are still in production. Idaho Spud Bar from 1918, Old Faithful Bar, 1925, and the Cherry Cocktail Bar, 1926. And one new candy bar, Huckleberry Gems, created in 2012. According to the Idaho Candy Company, the Idaho Spud is in the top 100 best-selling candy bars in the Northwest United States. The bar is sold at room temperature, but is often frozen before consumption. They are also sold as bite-sized candies in clear plastic tubs. The candy bar that makes Idaho famous. It's shaped like a potato. I thought it might have potato in it, but it does not. Uh, what did you think of this one, Julie? It reminded me of one of those chocolate-covered marshmallow Easter eggs. Yes. Kind of waxy chocolate coating, the marshmallow, and but not in a good way. It, it's like, and then it's got the coconut on mm-hmm. the outside, which added a bit. I do, I love coconut, but it, it tasted kind of like an old Easter egg yeah if this is what made idaho famous i don't know what's going on in idaho and i can say that because i used to live in idaho so no no angry letters for me um for the the uh, benefit of the listeners it's basically kind of kind of potato shaped i guess uh more like a uh 
I don't know what you would call it, but not really a, an authentic potato. But anyway, no. it's potato-like. Um, <laughs> it's got a thin chocolate, dark chocolate shell with uh, scattered with shredded coconut. And then the inside is what looks to be not a white marshmallow, but maybe a, um, a chocolate-flavored marshmallow. It's kind of a beigey color. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, the, the chocolate and the coconut were nice, but um, I'm not a big fan of marshmallow-filled things. And mm-hmm. so it was just kind of that gummy chewy middle part that I wasn't too crazy about. Yeah, and the chocolate too is like... Yeah, we're not talking about the best quality chocolate no, here, yeah. No, it was pretty pretty waxy and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not seek it out and I, I still think Idaho is a great place but I would not <laughs> say this is a highlight of... Yeah, this can't be what made Idaho famous. <laughs> this cannot be. It has to be their real potatoes. Maybe that's what they're saying. Is Potatoes made Idaho famous so we're going to call this candy after the thing that made Idaho famous. Totally. I would pick a potato. Potatoes are one of my favorite foods. Like just a baked potato with butter and salt. One of the best things. So if I had to choose between sweet and savory, in this case, this it case. would definitely be savory. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. And potatoes are so customizable. They can be a vehicle for a lot of different things. I mean, you can go overboard, but you can do a lot of ways to punch it up and make it really tasty. Totally. And it's a great way to, to resurrect leftovers too, right? And you got right. like a little bit of sausage or a little bit of like butter chicken, put it on a potato and it's like a whole new meal. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can bake them, you can fry them, you yeah. can make them in a mash you can put them into bread or pastries yeah. it's, it's so versatile make latkes or yeah i love a shredded potato pancake yeah oh yeah Excellent. Potato show. Potato show. <laughs> potato show. That's, is there a potato-based drink? I think I heard once that there's a, an alternative milk um, made from potatoes. You could do vodka. Potato vodka. See, I need to hire you. I, just, <laughs> I, I need to start paying you for your ideas because that's probably the third idea you've given me in about a half hour. <laughs> I think about food all the time. <laughs> As do I. Yeah. Well, let's move right along. Um, now it's time for a segment we call Brand versus Brand. Today's three choices are all potato chips, specifically one of Canada's great inventions after injectable insulin, which I may need after that Idaho spud, all dressed chips. So um, I've got three samples there. Julie, go ahead and try one, two, and three and tell me what you think. I'm super excited about this. She's a big fan of all dressed. I think all dressed is my favorite of the chips of the, although I do like a lightly salted plain chip. Um, time and place. Time and place. Okay, so the two on the end that are that are ridged. sort of shallow ridge yeah. ripples, are they? They're different brands. All three of these are different brands. They're all different brands. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So she's going for number one. I'm going for number one. My dog. If you can hear the clocking or breathing, it's yes. Louis. That that isn't my long toenails and my <laughs> and my COPD kicking in. That's that's a dog. It's Louie hoping I'll drop a piece of chip. So she's trying number one, which is one of the ridged options. We have a ridged option, a a more kettle kind of chip looking option, and then another ridged option. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's number one. What do you think of number one? Just initial thoughts. It's good. It's not too highly seasoned. Mm -hmm. It's pretty mild. It's not spicy. Uh, It's got a good texture. Yeah, I would go for that. Number two is the kettle chip mm. style. See, I went for the wish chip. You right? did. Make oh, a wish. I've never... It's like a plant-based wishbone. <laughs> Animal free. Okay. Mm. She's got her food review cap on. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like those as much. Interesting. And what's the what's their downfall? I do like the texture of them. They're not. They don't. They're not as noticeably all dressed. They don't taste as strongly of all dressed. Although some of them are a little bit darker, and they probably do. I like the little green flecks. I do too. Like mm-hmm. it looks like somebody made them. Like the, yeah. obviously somebody made them, but it looks like someone made them in their kitchen. Like they've got uh, herbs on them. They're, they look homemade. They look really good in the bowl. Like they, yeah. I'm attracted to them visually for sure. Yeah. This one is folded in like a triangle. Oh, it's oh, like that's, a, that's two, like three wishes. It's like a wish chip. Oh, it's two wish chips. Oh together. my gosh! Make a make a good I'm one. Gonna set this yeah, one set aside, that one aside. Right? Think on your wishes. And uh, but yeah, some of them look like they're probably stronger. But that first one, I wouldn't have been able to identify it as all dressed. Okay. So I'm gonna make number this three. Third. This this looks like a good one. I feel like I I feel like I know which one of the but I don't I'm not sure. I'd love to hear your guesses. I know. And while you're tasting that, um, when you have all dressed chips, usually do you like them plain or do you like them with some kind of a dip to put them into? I like them plain when it's all dressed. Mm. Yeah, so I think plain chips are more suited to dip. Yeah, like a ripple chip. Right. With French onion dip. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And I like making French onion dip, which sounds super snobby of me. I know you can buy it. <laughs> But if you just chop up an onion and saute it and put a splash of balsamic or Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. I have a neighbor who makes his own Worcestershire sauce. Wow. And then you just lob in some some sour cream and it loosens up all the brown bits. In the, it's so good and it's so easy. It's so good. Okay. Okay. So one, two, second and three. Second opinion. I'm having a second of the third. Okay. Go ahead with number three. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. Not very strong flavor. Hmm. That's a, that's a weak all dressed i think i i think i need to go with number one okay so you're leaning towards number one and you said you had some suspicions of what is what well i know one of these is ruffles but i don't know which one i i i i'm trying to think of another brand that's rippled like this so you don't have old dutch here in the lineup or do Um, you no because the old dutch all dressed are not no, no old dutch no yeah they're just thin potato chips, not ridges. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're not the kettle style. Okay, so I know you don't want a lot of chewing sounds. That's okay, we can edit it. <laughs> she is a, a serious scholar of all dressed chips. Mm-hmm. These ones are creamier. They have a more sour, creamy sort of taste number three number three okay i feel like i need a second opinion (laughs) mike is like a chip guy right (laughs) well what's your initial verdict which which do you like the best number one number one and second best would be number three number three and then number two number two okay so you went with what you told me earlier was your favorite this is ruffles number one yes so good call uh number two is ridgies I don't even know who. Oh, that is an old know, Dutch. Oh, I don't know that brand. Yeah, so it's a it's a extension of their regular line, the old Dutch chips. And then number two, which was in third place, is oh, hard, hard bite, bite. handcrafted style chips. These are made in yeah. Canada. So this is more you know nothing artificial, gluten free, all that kind of stuff. Um, made in Canada. So and they're similar to the kettle. Kettle branch, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Similar kind of Kettle style. Breath, yeah. So if you were going to give these one to three stars, I'm guessing the ruffle is three. Three is the best, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and number, th- uh, the ridges would be two, two and a half. Yeah, the other ones I would give a two. Both of them? I would, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're all good. Yes. They're just, 
not some as are, good. Some are better than others. King of the Hill. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the actual foods we had today. So starting with the Kona coffee, one to three stars, what do you think? I would give that a one. I would not. Yeah. Just personally, but some people love it. Yeah. I posted it as we're getting set up. I posted it on Instagram and someone commented, oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. That, that's to it. each their own. That's the great thing about food yeah. is we all taste things differently. So yeah, I wouldn't seek it out, but some people would. Okay, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, a yeah. little too watery, a little too sweet. Mm-hmm. I'd love to try a version that was made not with skim milk, but I guess you can't do heavy cream powder, or, or not heavy cream, but half and half powder. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's part of the problem is finding something that is easy to go into the can. Although why couldn't you just put half and half in the can? I don't know. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd give that a, a one star. You know, it wasn't awful, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Now, what about the new Kettle Brand New York Cheddar Chips? Ooh, those I would... I would give those a one or a one or two. Oh, sorry, I keep forgetting. One is, is not one crazy, but three is the best. Wait, coffee is one. So three, I would give it a two or a three. Like I, I do buy these. Two and a half, maybe? Two and a half, yeah. Okay. They're not like the top of my list, but I do like them. If there was a bowl in front of me, I would eat it. And I, I do buy them. Like when we're on a road trip or something, I, I do get the cheddar ones, yeah. Yeah, I, I like those. I'm not my favorite flavor. You know, again, not anything bad. It just yeah. was, I like something with a little more punch to it, like an all-dressed. Or I really like their buffalo blue chips. Those are quite good. Ooh. Or their pepperoncini chips. Have you ever tried those? Oh, yeah. I forgot about those. I had those once. Oh. And they were super good. Oh, now I got to... Your eyes just got the size of saucers. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go get those. And the peanut butter chocolate Haagen-Dazs. Yes. And then... If we record one, we should do another one like next year. And you'd be like, what's your favorite thing? Sounds like a good plan. I love different stuff. Yeah, Sounds like a good plan. It's the sequel. Yeah. And then last, maybe not least, or maybe it is least, um, the Idaho spot. Oh, a half? <laughs> yeah. I, you know. Uh, a one. And I feel bad because these guys are, you know, small candy makers. They're competing in a world yeah. of Mars and, and, you know, companies like that, Hershey's. Um, but just not for me. I, you know, I generally don't go for marshmallowy things. Um, so if it had been something different in the middle, maybe I would have a completely different reaction. And it's you know uh, grocery store shelf chocolate. It's we're, it's nothing artisan or anything like that. Not that it has to be. There's some really no. good candy bars that are made with cheap chocolate. Um, but I think the marshmallow is the thing that is not doing it for me. But if you like marshmallows, if you like peeps and that kind of thing, um, then this might be the candy for you. So if you see it, give it a try if you don't mind coconut. I feel like this is the kind of thing that has nostalgia going for it. Right. It looks like an old-fashioned It looks very old-fashioned. And so I feel like this is something that people might have grown up with, like cream of wheat, right? Right. It's not really delicious, but you want to eat it because it reminds you of your childhood. It reminds me. Actually, I think I got it at one of those old-fashioned like candy stores where you can get stuff like clove gum. Yeah. I think that's where I got it from. So it, it kind of fits into that. It's it's not a, a modern candy, even though they're still making it. It kind of would fit on the same shelf, I guess, as Cuban Lunch, although yeah. Cuban Nut Lunch, I got to be honest, knocks it out of the water. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, let's dip into our junk mail folder. As a reminder, you can reach us by email at junkfoodiespod at gmail.com or on Twitter and Facebook at junkfoodiespod. Our message today comes from Hannah, who says, Dear Junk Foodies, as a lapsed vegetarian, I must admit one thing I missed and now I'm able to enjoy is a good old-fashioned McDonald's burger. However, my husband prefers Wendy's. If you had to choose a side, which would you go with? Mickey D's or the Redhead? Or what is your option number three? So I'll let you answer that one first. Oh, me? Oh, yeah. oh. Uh, I think I would go for McDonald's over Wendy's. Honestly, I don't remember the last time I had a Wendy's burger. 
Now, if we're talking about the whole meal, I think a lot of times McDonald's are considered to be the platonic ideal of a good French fry. Yeah. Um, would you pick, you know, one thing at McDonald's and one thing at Wendy's, like the fries at McDonald's and the Frosty at Wendy's or something like that, or Ooh. just McDonald's all the way? I do like the Frosty at Wendy's. I like the McDonald's fries. I can't picture, I can't remember the last time I ate a burger and fries at Wendy's, so I can't yeah. even say. And But yeah, I mean, McDonald's is kind of classic, right? Right. Like the McDonald's fries are so, like, yeah. are so good. But you have to eat them fast because they're 10 minutes old. Very short half-life on those. I would say ditch both of them and go to Five Guys. That's my favorite fast food. I'm with you there. Oh. Yeah, I think Five Guys is an amazing burger. I guess yeah. it's it's maybe a, just a, a, a one tier up above McDonald's and maybe between like a, a fancy steakhouse burger and a McDonald's. Um, so I don't even know if I'd put them on the same playing field. But yeah, if I had a choice between the three, Five Guys would be mine. Uh, between Wendy's and McDonald's, you know, I grew up eating McDonald's. Like, I didn't try Wendy's until I was an adult. McDonald's was the place we went to on our birthday and that kind of thing. Um, it, it's interesting, not to get off topic, but you talked about the McDonald's fries. They've changed their formula for the oil that they fry it in. Mm-hmm. And there's a really fascinating podcast. Since you're a podcast lover, I'll send it to you, um, where Malcolm Gladwell investigates, like, what happened to the McDonald's fry. And he actually tries one done in the original, which was beef tallow. And they had to change that for vegetarians and um, it's soybean oil. It's not, yeah. Yeah. Or it might be a blend of soybean and and something else. But yeah, they changed it because of vegetarians and, and, um, you know, people who have religious um, restrictions on what they can eat and that kind of thing. Um, But I think probably to the detriment of the French fry, it's too bad they don't offer both Mm -hmm. because... Uh, it, apparently, I don't remember it anymore because it's been so long, but apparently the French fries in my childhood at McDonald's were different and much better than the French fries they have now. And he goes into it in this podcast of why that is and why the, the difference between the oils and how they fry and yeah, what yeah. ends up happening to the fry and that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Cool. No, that's interesting. So, Hannah, it sounds like you've got two people on your side. Uh, apologize to your husband for us. I do like the Frosties at Wendy's, and I'm not against their burgers. I just haven't had one in a long time. And honestly, I can't really remember anything about their fries, but... Um, option number three for us would be five guys across the board. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, that basically wraps it up for today. Julie, I really want to thank you for your time today. You were so generous with it. I know you've got lots on the go and you're in demand for interviews and that kind of thing. So I really appreciate it. Um, before we go, uh, do you want to plug anything? Your, your website, your latest cookbook, where people can find you online? Oh, I'm ter- I never think of that. So thank you. Uh, my my handles are Dinner with Julie on all different social media platforms. I have a new cookbook called Dirty Food, which <laughs> is like a pushback against the whole clean eating thing. Love it. And I have a podcast that thank you for coming over and reminding me that I need to get on it again. And it's called Crispy Bits. And uh, so, yeah, maybe I'll record one and get one up soon. (laughs) Excellent. Well, if you ever need a guest, let me know. Um, She didn't mention it, but she's got a really lovely website with a ton of good recipes. I've tried quite a few of them. Uh, Dinnerwithjulie.com or dinners. No, just dinner. Just dinner. Dinner, dinner with com. So definitely be sure to check that out. Julie, I want to thank you again. And uh, to all my listeners out there, as a wise man once said, do everything in moderation, including moderation. Bye. Bye.